Look at my butt. Show number 295 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK Talk Trek. Well, um, Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2022. It's a new year. Where have the past two years gone? They have just, oh. you know, slithered down the drain. I have, like, almost no memory of having done anything beyond 24 hours ago. I I completely agree. And at the same time, it's also endless, right? Like, it just feels like it never... We're, we're just running to stay in place, yes. right? That's exactly and, what's And happening. we're doing the same things over and over and over. Bitch, bitch, well. But <laughs> we have the podcast, and that keeps us going. Yes, and plus there is some good stuff to look forward to. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay. But first, but first, I got something to look forward to right now, which is the second Christmas present that you sent. Oh, which has been sitting here, so it's in a somewhat bulky Amazon bag, and I'm going to open it. Oh, God, what is it? What is this? <gasps> Wait a minute. What? It says it's not a clock. It's not a clock. <laughs> but it is a clock. Wow. I mean, I don't think it tells time is what they mean. Okay. This is amazing. So this is a a piece of art, a sculpture, I guess, mm-hmm. that is based on um, one of the, you know, Dali's most famous work, the... Um, Something of Time. Remembrance of Time, yes. yeah. And it's one of those... Oh, I'm just taking it out. Wow. Oh, wow. It's really big. This is amazing. Isn't that great? But it has a battery, so if it's not a clock... Oh, I didn't know it had a battery. It does have a battery. It says... It, okay. Okay, tell me. <laughs> what's what's going on here? It says right there on it, not a clock, but an artwork. Okay. But then it's also a clock. So it is a clock. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he's not Magritte. He'd mean it's a clock, but it's not a clock? Wow. Okay, this is beautiful. This is absolutely beautiful. So imagine a stopwatch that's about eight inches tall, but it's bent in the middle so you can hang it on a shelf. Yeah. And it's all liquidy. And yes, there is a slot in the back to put in a battery. So it is actually a clock. Oh, you're going to have to put in the battery and see what it does. I will. This is the most amazing thing I have ever seen. This is so cool. I was so excited when I saw it. Wow. This is fantastic. Thank you so much. I had no idea that that such a thing would even exist. The box is quite nice. Mm -hmm. It's got a picture of the the painting on the front, and it's just gorgeous. Good. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. This is, oh, and I have shelves right here. Yes. I'm going to put it on a shelf right here. I love it. Well, you got me um, (laughs) Gaudi-style wine glasses, so I got you a Dali-style clock, not a clock. It is. That's like Kirk, not Kirk. It is. Wow. Oh, so very cool. It's so funny. You know, once a long time ago when I was in graduate school, I went to an art show at Berkeley, and one of the artists had made um, a sculpture that was a grandfather clock, Mm -hmm. and I believe it was made out of wood, but they had used some process to bend the wood so that the grandfather clock looked like a dolly kind of clock like it was weirdly elongated and curvy and melty wow it also looked like a dr seuss kind of thing but it was big it was like six or seven feet tall and i really wanted it and i went back the next week to see if i could buy it from the artist and it was gone darn that that sounds really neat 
it was really neat, but also maybe a little scary. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like it would make you think, wow, but this is so cool. It's so cool. Good. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's right here, right next to my desk. I love it. Thank You're you. Welcome. <laughs> this is, this is, I'm just looking at it. It's so cool. Oh, I love it. Okay. Uh, anyway, let's talk about Star Trek for a minute. We remember Star we, Trek. It's a good show. Oh, we yeah. love it. It takes so us good. back to our youth when we had no worries <laughs> at all. That's true. Well, the big news as of yesterday um, on our recording date is that Paramount has announced all the the release dates for the next uh, wave of Trek stuff. And oh my God, there's an awful lot of stuff. It's huge. So much. So I'm going to read from the article at StarTrek.com. So here we go. Star Trek Discovery has been renewed for a fifth season, which I think we knew about. Mm -hmm. So it's got the rest of this season to show us. Right. Then it goes on. Okay. So it comes back on Thursday, February 10th. So it was six episodes and then there's going to be more. So season two of Star Trek Jean-Luc Picard, um, the Jean-Luc Picard show, (laughs) will premiere on Thursday, March 3rd. And then there's going to be weekly episodes. And um, And Q is in it. And Q is in it. All the new advertisements have Q in it, which I love. Mm-hmm. I'm I okay with that. Um, and they have also been renewed for a third season. So that's cool. And then possibly the most exciting thing is Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Oh, it's going to premiere on Thursday, May 5th. And then there's going to be new shows every week. And they have even been renewed for a second season before they have even released any episodes <laughs> of season one. I know. I thought they were oh. renewed for a second season before they had finished <laughs> shooting you know season one but that is very 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 good news oh it's so good i'm just so excited i saw the picture and there's anson mount and he's licking all captain pike and it's like we this is gonna be good i know know. i'm looking forward to that but that's may it's may okay Um, and then a little bit further out but but also extremely exciting is lower decks which is going to come back this summer for 10 more episodes. Uh, and it's been renewed for a fourth season, even before the third season. <sighs> I am like astonished at the faith people have like, sure, do another season. You haven't released one, but that's okay. We're going to sign you up for another well, one. You know, like even the, the Star Treks that are quote unquote flops, like <laughs> Enterprise, <laughs> ran for five years or yeah, something. It's yeah, almost like uh-huh. you can't go wrong betting on Star Trek. You can't. You really. It's can't. really nice so, if you make something good, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just but just keep making them, man. It's all right. Uh-huh. There's going to be people watching them. Um, and then the last thing is that uh, Prodigy is coming back. I still haven't finished watching through the episodes that have released so far, but um, it's people love it. Kids really seem to like it. It seems extremely popular, and that's awesome. Room for everything, man. Room for everything. That is so great that they're tucked into all these niches i guess yeah you know oh boy so much star trek oh i wonder you know with all of these things happening at the same time i think the temptation to do crossover stuff is going to be just off the scales and i hope they don't i know i hope there isn't a lot i i hope the shows just kind of go down their groove Mm -hmm. and do their thing Mm -hmm. and not too much crossover and not too much callbacks and call forwards like just just do your thing man just do your thing Oh, so good. So that that's all very, very exciting. And um, I guess that means that we will be doing this podcast for at least another, what, like five to 10 years? Because 
you know, all of these shows with these renewals for the seasons, mm-hmm. and we have to talk about we it. We have to talk it. about it. And the people who listen want to know. Yeah. And we have exactly. to keep buying each other uh, Shatmas and birthday presents. <laughs> this is These are the three goals of the show. <laughs> Talking exactly. about Star Trek and stuff. Uh-huh. Buying Shatmas gifts for each other and buying birthday presents for each other. Yes, exactly right. Um, okay. I want to very quickly talk about Discovery. And I, I know that last time I complained just endlessly. Um, so I've watched episodes one, two, three, and four. That's as far as I got. Okay. And you're going to have to sort of uh, summarize because, you know, I finished them <laughs> a month or more ago. So mm-hmm. all I'm really remembering at this point is part of episode six. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I was just thinking about it now. I was like, what happened in episode two? I don't really yeah, remember, don't but that's okay. You. Okay. It's not important. Um, episode three was the episode where um, the uh, Burnham's mom comes back. Oh, right. Who I had forgotten was Burnham's mom. And I was like, she looks really familiar. Oh, yeah. She's Burnham's mom. Yeah, I didn't who catch also on came to that until post. somebody said, well, she is your mother. I, I know. Like, oh yeah, really? Oh yeah, that was that was a plot point. I remember now. Um, and so one of um, her her sisterhood uh, steals some dilithium, and then the whole that plot is about recovering the dilithium and what happens in it. So I think the good thing about that was that it was a it was a plot, mm-hmm. right? It had a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it had like here's a problem, and we must solve it, and it had a good resolution, and I was happy that you know. It wasn't awful. It didn't have a terrible ending like, oh, this new alien species are all destroyed Mm -hmm. or they commit genocide or, you know, whatever. I was glad about that. But the part of it that was stupid, (laughs) I mean, this was just like a stupid plot. And I wonder whether it was meant to be the plot all along or whether they just kind of panicked and said it at the last minute. So the reason that uh, I can't remember her name, she steals the dilithium is that she discovered this alien craft. Oh, right. Which was a sleeper ship. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, she didn't want to reveal the location of it because the, the aliens have latinum in their bodies. And she was afraid that people would come and kill them all to get the latinum. Like, okay, valid concern. But you didn't tell anybody like there was not one person in this whole world that you could trust like Burnham's mom. (laughs) <laughs> to try to find a better solution than stealing dilithium mm-hmm. and killing some Starfleet officers to get it, that just seemed dumb. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, I thought we had gotten beyond plots where somebody makes a dumb decision based on miscommunication mm-hmm. or or lack of, you know, their own thinking to try to come up with other solutions. And that was really disappointing because I was waiting the whole episode to be like, well, what's the reveal? Why didn't she want to tell people about it? There must be something going on here. Like mm-hmm. there's some other plot or whatever. No, it was just because she didn't feel like telling anybody. You know, what The one thing I will give it points for is it is a standalone episode. Mm-hmm, so they're, mm-hmm, you yes. know, they're putting those in, but I also feel like uh, they're filler episodes because mm. they can't wrap up this long thing they've got going too soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. but And especially because we've been conditioned to see Discovery as not episodic. Right. 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 Like if they said, hey, we're going to be more episodic, then I would be more willing to mm-hmm. be like, oh, okay, this is good. So, yes, I agree with you on that. Um, episode four was the one 
where they were having negotiations about uh, Vulcan and Romulan people, mm-hmm. Nivar coming back into the Federation. So that was that was all right. And then the other part was um, Tilly having an adventure with her her little kids, uh-huh. which was entirely predictable, oh, right? right? Like you're you're like oh. Tilly's taking some people out on a team building exercise. What could possibly go wrong? Really? <laughs> they should have just said it at the beginning. You're going to have a really bad adventure on this trip. There's no way <laughs> well, that this will be a normal I don't know that there are that event. many good adventures in Star Trek, <laughs> you know? Um, is for the one where uh, that guy, Ruan, shows up? No. Oh, then that's the next one. Okay, because okay, that's yeah, the, that's where it got good for me. Mm-hmm. Four ends with Tilly going to teach at Starfleet right, Academy. Right, right. So, you know, good for her. I'm sure she's going to be back. I don't think she's off the show, so that's fine. Um, the whole negotiation thing with bringing Nivar back into Starfleet seemed dumb. Mm-hmm. Again, like... Just what you, this reminded me so much of TNG. Ooh, contract negotiations. That's always a good plot for a Star Trek episode. Oh, yeah. Like, we really want to see people sitting around a table and talking about stuff. And for some reason, Burnham has to be at every one. Oh. And she's the only person with the solution in every I instance. Know. She's the only one who can solve the problem of this objective committee that Mm -hmm. they're going to set up to oversee everything the only one in all of the universe who can do this i think they're leaning into that too hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's making me annoyed um that said i am enjoying all the performances i think doug jones is doing a phenomenal job Mm -hmm. as saru he's so good i i like the woman who's playing the vulcan president she's very good um and and i like the woman who's playing the federation president as Mm -hmm. well i i think she's doing a good job of portraying someone who is in an extremely difficult situation and is acting like you'd hope a president would look like let's take advice from everybody let's try to find other solutions but also we have to put on a show Mm -hmm. to a certain extent because that's what you do when you're a politician no matter when it is can i throw one little spoiler at you that has nothing to do with the story oh sure in episode six They take the time throughout the episode for three different people to tell whoever they're with. When I was a child, they tell this story that supposedly explains the stupid idea they've got now. And then another character does it later. And then a third character, same episode. Oh, my God. That made me a little cuckoo. Okay, you can stop doing that now. <laughs> go make coffee. <laughs> yeah, go do something else. Um, the One of the things I wanted to mention, which they haven't done since episodes one and maybe two, um, on the bridge of Discovery, whenever they were getting hit by phasers or whatever, and there were sparks and explosions, there are like three places on the bridge that literally shoot flames. <laughs> I mean... It's like, is there a propane tank underneath there? And then, you know, like the burner is overloaded and it's just, it is flames coming out. Why would you have something on the bridge of a starship that shoots flames? <laughs> it's it's a tradition. Tradition is really important. <laughs> They're like, that's where the ship's fry cook has his station. <laughs> So that was weird, and it just made me laugh so hard every time I saw it because of 
just walls of flame shooting out. That's that's an mm-hmm. OSHA violation. You shouldn't yeah. have that. And then in, I think, episode four, there's a scene in, I guess, what the equivalent of 10 Forward, where there's all of these glass fireplaces in yes. the room. It's like, oh, it's the Tahoe room. It's like a ski chalet. And I thought those are connected to the ones on the bridge, right? There's just like flame. There's flames here. There's flames on the bridge. There's probably someplace in sick bay that has flames that shoot out yep, of it. Yep. Oh. And there, there is just plenty of oxygen on board. So you can yeah. burn pointless fires. Exactly, exactly. Flames. What was, there's somebody who works on the show now is one of the set designers, obviously has an obsession with flames. I guess. Like, it looks great. Let's put it in every scene. <laughs> so just keep an eye on the bridge for those walls of flame that shoot out. I think they should do something about that. I think they need to make it less dangerous mm-hmm. because you could easily just burn your whole bridge crew to a crisp <laughs> whenever you get like one phaser hit. It's not good. Yep. I think it's bad design. Very, very bad design. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. So that's Discovery so far. <laughs> um, I was pleased to see that there were more people working in engineering now. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Yeah. I don't know. They came back from vacation or something. Yeah. Some, some of those places, rooms, whatever, mm-hmm. seemed pretty abandoned or underpopulated yeah Yeah. exactly oh one other thing i wanted to to mention i i liked the portrayal of the the vulcan scientists who were supposed to be helping stamets Mm -hmm. figure out something i liked that they were just as like uh pretentious and contemptuous of humans as we had always kind of figured the Vulcan Science Academy would be. That was a that was good. consistent characterization. And yes, if you remember the first time we ever saw Sarek was in Journey mm-hmm. to Babylon, he was like, I yes. do not share my thoughts with an Earth man. Yes. You know? So very, very much like that. It was funny, though. He went down there to, to present his theory to them, and then they figured out that the theory was no good, and then they left. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you going to keep working on it to come with a theory, come up with a yeah. theory of your own or, or no, like you were just here to shoot this down and then you went off to like have a drink we'll or something. We'll be in the Tahoe room. <laughs> That's what they did. Oh my God. So funny. Well, I cannot wait for Strange New Worlds, which uh, will be different from this and that will be good. I'll be very pleased to see that. Okay, so while we're talking about Trek shows, this isn't on the list, but we're both aware of it. This came up right after I'd sent my part of the list to Lena, and it is that uh, Quentin Tarantino, as we have heard, has now lost interest Mm -hmm. in doing a movie, a Star Trek movie. But But. now there's talk (laughs) that he might do a show. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I wonder. I really wonder about that. I mean, what what is he going to do? Well, I have a couple <laughs> ideas. Um, okay, let's hear it. I am guessing that for at least the pilot, it will be whatever idea he had, and they have a script for this completed mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be with the gangsters in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, what would make sense to me would be to set it in the Kirk era, but after Kirk's five years, mm-hmm. you know, they could they could start right up with whoever takes over, or they could do something halfway between TOS and TNG. Mm-hmm. Yep, they could do that. I, I mean, I, I guess that's the main thing. You've, you've put your finger on it right there is who's going to be in this and who are those characters going to be? Right. 
because they, I presumably they wouldn't want to use any of the established characters. Like they, everybody has their own show now, mm-hmm. so they're not going to be using those. So they're going to have to come up with new characters. Yep. I don't think they would be recasting Kirk, right? Right. Like it not wouldn't gonna, be about Kirk. Yeah. I mean, at that time, he's on Earth, admiraling around and being unhappy. Mm-hmm. So this would yeah. have to be, you know, somebody else who has uh, gotten to the center seat now and his staff and crew. Yeah. But do you think that he could manage to direct something that wasn't all gritty and cursing and all the rest of it? I don't know. Well, uh, the movie that they were going to do based on the script that they have was rated R and it was very mm-hmm. bloody. Yeah. So... You know, it might be, okay, you've got to tone it down, or it cannot go on Paramount. It has to go on a paid cable station. Mm, I guess so. Yeah. Huh. Well, I don't know. I. It seems like with all the shows that are on, there's it's wide open, right, oh, yeah. for people to come in with their ideas. So it could it could happen, but I wonder. I think Paramount has such a stable now of successful Star Trek shows, they're not going to want to fuck it up by taking a huge chance on something that's going to put people off. Mm -hmm. Um, If it was, you know, really gritty, if it was Reservoir Dogs in Star Trek, I don't think that's going to work. But, hmm, well, we'll see. It's funny that this just was announced, right, like almost simultaneously Mm -hmm. with the news about all the, the drop dates for the Star Trek shows. Yep. Well, I don't know. We'll see. That's all we can all say. We, that's all we can do is just wait and just wait. see what comes up. And in the meantime, mm-hmm. you can watch episodes five and six. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll have to catch up. I need to catch up. Um, let's see. You had a couple more interesting articles here. Um, one of them was about the trouble with Tribbles, and, and that was very it nice. It was. Um, they were celebrating the 54th anniversary of the trouble with Tribbles. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture at the top of the article that mm-hmm. I find very intriguing because you can see Kirk and McCoy and there's a woman in, you know, science blue holding a couple of triples. Who is she? Some background extra that they said, hey, you know, get over here, we'll take your picture. Because it's not even, it doesn't look to me like an actual shot from the show. No. Well, right now there's an ad yeah. for uh, VRBO playing on my screen, okay. so I'm not able to look at the picture. I saw it for a split second, okay, it'll come and up. now I'm waiting. It'll <sighs> come up. Thank you, Red Shirts Always Die, for being so diligent in your advertising. Really, for that, making them uh, happy. Um, oh, come on. But the, the thing about the Tribbles is kind of interesting. You know, it's a favorite episode. It's regarded as a comic episode that is played very, mm-hmm. very well. It was nominated for a Hugo. But the thing is, when it started out, written by Dar- David Gerald, Gene Roddenberry nice. did not like it. And also, he originally entitled the episode The Fuzzies. <laughs> they didn't have mm-hmm. the Tribble name. And Tribbles were supposed to be menacing Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know, like alligators or something. But um, he never <laughs> intended for the episode to get funny until it entered production. And that's when he went, hey, there's possibility of a, a lot more humor in this. And it's a wonderful episode because of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Um, I think for people who want to know more about how the episode got made, uh, pick up his book, mm-hmm. uh, which is about the making of The Trouble with mm-hmm. Tribbles, where he, he talks 
in, in depth about it. And um, the reason that they didn't use the word fuzzy mm -hmm. was because they were afraid of being sued by um, another science fiction author who had written a story called, I think, Little Fuzzies, mm. which was about sort of similar creatures. And they thought, eh, probably not worth it. Come up with a new name. And so he had to just out of whole cloth come up with a new name which he right, did very right. admirably yeah yeah it says here he intended for the tribbles to be cute but dangerous and their mm -hmm. cuteness would distract people from exactly how dangerous they were and yeah. that's interesting but another interesting thing about this article is right in the middle of it is a little video clip but when it's paused it's you know it's part of the the uh the actual show and Scotty comes in holding our full of triples. <laughs> this is the shot where you can see he's missing a finger. Oh yes, that's right. You can see it right there, mm -hmm. right there. He, he lost a figure, a figure, a finger, <laughs> I believe in World War II. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. So, yes. you know, there's that, but I wish that other one picture would come up. It does not. I, I, all I get are ads that are playing over and I over know. and over again. I don't know how to turn them off, and uh, there's just nothing to do about it. So, so um, we'll have to save that for another time. Right. Now, um, at the bottom, there's a next five facts you might not know about the trouble with triples, and I have quit clicking on those <laughs> because <laughs> I always know them. <laughs> Let's see. Five. I'm going to click on okay. it. Oh, see the picture displayed for a second at the same one, and then it went away. It looked like a pic, a fan picture. Does it? it didn't look like a real. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's gone now. Now there's an ad playing. Okay. Um. Okay. Let me go to the list. Originally, the triple were going to be called fuzzies, but uh, yeah, there was a book called Little Fuzzy, which was published. Okay. So I just said yes. that. Okay. okay. <laughs> In Mr. Spock's calculations, wait, wait, only read the last months. sentence. Some okay. of the names considered before triples oh. were chosen were Shaggies. Goonies uh -huh. and Puffies. I'm glad they went with Tribbles. Oh, yeah. It's a much, much better one. Okay. In spite of Mr. Spock's calculations, only 500 Tribbles were created for the episode. Was it really? F oh, I guess it was 500. Yeah, they had to. And they were all done by hand, yep. as we know. Four different kinds of Tribbles were created, one of which was from the body of a motorized dog toy oh. covered in fur. Dang. The Tribbles that breathed were filled with balloons so they could be inflated and deflated. And then others were filled with beans, so they would stay put. The rest of them were filled with cotton. Um, oh, I didn't know this. About okay, William here is Campbell? an actual fact. Yes, oh, I didn't I know that. this. Um, though not all of the 500 Tribbles have been accounted for, William Campbell, who played Koloth um, and Trelane, took at least 40 of the Tribbles home and passed them out to children in a nearby neighborhood. Wow, do you think he got permission to no, do that? No, nobody or he just, got like, permission for, for the stuff they got, you know, they stole from the set. Uh, he just took a hefty bag yeah, and was I'm like, see ya. Helping these guys um, put this stuff away. <laughs> that's right. I'm cleaning up. Um, as for the sound the triples made, that was created by Emmy Award-winning sound editor Douglas Grindstaff, who combined the sounds of a screech owl, a squeaking balloon, and murmuring doves. Okay. That sounds perfect, doesn't it? It does. Well, so those were some behind-the-scenes things that um, mostly we knew and others. I probably knew that last one but forgot mm -hmm. about it. I knew the William <laughs> Campbell one. <laughs> I love the thought of him coming home and his wife being like, what the hell are you doing? You, It's from that space show yeah. <laughs> that you were on, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so many actors 
certainly for TOS and even into TNG, I've heard actors who were, their agent called and said, uh, they want you for Star Trek. Star Trek. What is that? It's that space show. <laughs> oh. How's it pay? Oh, it pays. It pays. Okay. It pays. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. You'll have a good time. You'll have a good time. Ms. Shatner's on it. And then they went, either they went, Oh, that sounds like fun. Or they were like, oh, no. And you'll spend four hours every day in the makeup chair. <laughs> oh, but you do get to work with Nichelle Nichols, and she's very pretty, yes. very easy on the yes. eyes. And then they were like, oh, okay. That we'll do that. <laughs> oh, so funny. Um, okay. Let's take a little break before we get to the other stuff. I do want to mention one thing, which I sent to you. Mm-hmm. Um, this comment showed up on mm. your um archive of our own work yes. which i just thought was such a lovely thing for someone to say i thought so and too it said i am glad beyond measure that these stories are finally on ao3 where they will be safe thank thank you so much for writing them and archiving them here just lovely just yeah. just a lovely and, kudosy comment and it 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 uh it touched me i was very happy about it mm. the story was the siege perilous yeah, and I, I noticed did a that. little research on this person who left oh, the comment. Oh, you know, okay. you can click through and go to yeah, their sure, homepage sure. Uh-huh. stuff. I wasn't doing stalker stuff. <laughs> but he or she, one of her fan one of her fandoms is um King Arthur. And that oh. is probably why she read this story. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Wow. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you have fans. It's so nice to know that you have fans. <laughs> well, and this was a name I had never encountered. Mm-hmm. So I'll take it. Years later, fandom still out mm-hmm. there. I love it. Okay. Uh, let's take a little break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about uh, fanfic and also uh, Jonathan Frakes. Yes. Solving a mystery, because that's what he does. Okay. All right. Be right back. Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. Hey, we're back. So, oh, and we should talk about this now because it directly impacts the next thing I want to talk about, which is um, I think most people will know that the H&I channel, the Heroes and Icons channel, has been running a block of Star Trek for quite a few months Mm -hmm. now. So the way it would go is at your local time, generally, it would be TOS at 8 and then TNG and DS9 and Voyager and Enterprise. So you could basically watch Star Trek every single night of the week except Sunday for hours, Mm -hmm. just hours and hours. And I think it must be very successful because they've just been doing it. But about a month ago, suddenly, for no reason, they decided to take 
TOS and put it at the end of the block at like midnight or one o'clock in the morning. And instead, they started showing two episodes of that great, great TV show, Walker, Texas Ranger, <laughs> from seven to eight and then from eight to nine as a lead in to Star Trek. <laughs> TNG. TNG? So, are, I mean, are there is that much of a crossover between Chuck Norris fans and and you know Patrick Stewart fans I don't know it seemed like a weird decision and and everybody complained about it <laughs> cuz that's one of the things trekkies do best <laughs> absolutely i i don't understand given the whole history of star trek and its fandom how they could have thought they would get away with this without people complaining mm-hmm. about yeah. it yeah they they built their um, whole evenings around I, this for for months yeah. for months and months and months and 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 i think I certainly really appreciated the fact that, you know, I have Star Trek on multiple media and I could watch it on Netflix when it was on Netflix or any of a dozen channels. But there was something so comforting about being able to sit on the couch and be like, oh, I think I'll watch some TV. What's on? Yay, there's Star Trek. (laughs) I can watch Star Trek. And that was awesome. So um, just this week, they got rid of Walker, Texas Ranger, and they moved Star Trek back into the eight o'clock slot. And I have to say the whole way that they've been announcing it very much feels like them going, oh, we're sorry we fucked up. Sorry, 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 sorry. We we made a mistake. It's back. Okay, stop calling. <laughs> stop sending us letters, please. Yes. Please. Well, you know, um, I've noticed something going on there. Here I get like three or four of what I consider the nostalgia channels mm, that are, mm-hmm. are running things from the, you know, 50s, 60s, and everything. Yeah. And every now and then, one of them, you can tell they've suddenly gotten the rights to Third Rock <laughs> from the Sun, which I love. Right, right. And they and sh- so show them all. They'll, they'll show <laughs> it like all day long or they'll show it all over the weekend, you mm-hmm. know, just a huge marathon. And then they finally put it in whatever slot it is they think. It belongs mm-hmm. in. And I I would bet you that's what happened with Heroes and Icons. But why did they think there was a huge audience for Walker, Texas Right, Ranger? that you'd put it on from, what did you say, 8 to 10 or something? It's 7 to eight, seven to 9. Yeah. 7, like prime viewing time. Yeah. Why? Why are they doing oh, this? I don't know. Just hilarious. But anyway, Star Trek's Yay. back. We can all be happy about that. Um, So, uh, um. I have still been watching uh, a lot of TNG and sometimes DS9 because it's in the really good part of DS9 for me anyway. Mm-hmm. But my thing now when I watch TNG, and I think I've said this before, is I am just watching Jonathan Frakes mm. because I love him so much. I love him being tall, <laughs> as he says, and he is very tall. and He just towers over Patrick Stewart. I love him putting his leg up on the the um, control, yep. you know, the console next to Mr. Data. And I just love him acting his heart out in scenes where he has no lines and he's supposed to be listening to what Mm -hmm. uh, Patrick Stewart is saying and other people. He's just great. I just love him so much. He is my favorite character by, by miles on TNG now, like not just Riker, but Jonathan Frakes specifically as, as a character and the choices that he Mm -hmm. makes for what he's doing. He's just a delight in every way. Yeah. It makes me happy. (laughs) Which brings us into uh, this article that yes. showed up. This is something that um, I was thinking was going to tie in about the beginning of this season of Discovery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and if you will remember, one of the 
uh, the Star Trek shorts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I like that phrase. It sounds like underwear. Um, (laughs) Was took place much, much farther in the future than where Discovery Mm -hmm. is. And it was the the ship and this guy, I can't remember if he crashed into it or whatever, but, you know, he goes in and the computer takes care of him and talks to him. And you never find out who he is or what's going on or where he's going when he leaves. And I Mm -hmm. was pretty sure that the computer that we're seeing in Discovery is that computer. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so, because doesn't Burnham call it by, by the name, by Zora? Right, and, and I wasn't sure if you'd gotten that far. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. they, they give it a name. Mm-hmm. And as this, the two episodes go on, Zora becomes a very, very crucial part of it. Mm, interesting. And, okay, uh, it's, cool. and she's learning, you know, all the time. And uh, so I think at some point... You know, the, 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 and it was pointed out, I think, in this article that in the far, far future, when the, the Enterprise has nobody on it, it's just at one place, that she tells this guy who shows up that the last uh, command she was given by her captain was, stay right here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. So, you know, it's almost like, um, geez, what is that movie with the little kid? It was a, a Spielberg movie? A.I., uh-huh, Where at the end, uh-huh. he's just waiting. He's waiting, uh-huh. you know. It's really kind of heartbreaking, but yeah. Yep. So the way Jonathan Frakes ties into this is that he, in an interview, he said, um, Jonathan Frakes says the recent episode has set up a future explanation. So he's explicitly tying those two uh-huh. things together. And he would know because he's been doing a lot of directing. Lately, and he's so. doing his homework. Yeah. You know, yeah. if well, he, knows he knows what was going on in Star Trek shorts. Yeah. Uh, that short was one of the best ones. That was so good. I remember mm-hmm. just loving the feel of it and the tone and the visuals were amazing. It was so mm-hmm. good. Um, I, I have to say, just my admiration for Jonathan Frakes continues to grow. I think the best Discovery episodes are the ones that he's directed. Like, for me, I can sort of tell when I watch one and I'm like, that was better. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's because he directed it because he knows what he's yep. doing and he knows how to handle Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, I hope he sticks with I it. Hope I hope so, too. Yeah. But it's exciting. I'm excited to see how those two things are going to line up eventually. Yeah. Might have to rewatch that short to see if they specifically name a date or anything. Yeah, I, I think that's a good one. Um, I wonder if they would show it again. As a like prelude. on Paramount Plus, yeah. yeah, as a prelude, yeah, yeah, just like remember, remember that this mm-hmm. happened. Remember, no, don't tell me about your childhood. Remember <laughs> this. <Yeah. laughs> All right, let's talk about the wild history of fanfic censorship. Yeah. Well, we know all about this. Well, yeah. Uh, I-, I will say, just as a preface to this. I still, when I look at fanfic, and it's funny, when I was moving some of your fanfic over to to Archive of Our Own, Mm -hmm. I was copying it wholesale, and your fanfic, like my fanfic, and like everybody's fanfic from the time that we were doing it, was just like over-the-top disclaimers because we were so afraid that something was going to happen. So everything is like, I don't own these characters. I'm just doing this for fun. I'm not making any yeah. money off of it. Please don't sue me. Please don't sue me. Nobody does that anymore. No, but you know what they do? Because <laughs> I started exploring on Archive of Our Own, and I don't know mm-hmm. if it was specific to the fandom I was looking at or if 
whatever, they list at the top every single character who appears in the story. Oh, I know. What is that? Don't do that. I know. <laughs> it's so weird. I don't yeah, get it. Yeah, I don't either. Oh, um, but anyway, uh, so that and the reason that people did that was because they were so deathly afraid of being sued mm-hmm. because there was it was some well some people like Anne Rice were extremely litigious yes. uh, but everybody was just afraid that things were going to get shut down because some stuff did get shut down mm-hmm. so this is a video essay that appeared on the Daily Dot and um, it basically goes through the history of why these things happen and it's especially applicable to um you know as they say nsfw not safe for work type fan fiction Mm -hmm. which is a lot of slash but also head stuff in there as well that there was there has been a huge fear that um things would get pulled or there would be repercussions which just doesn't seem to happen that much anymore no but you know um i remember hearing a a lot of stories from people who experienced it firsthand that um zines that were sent into britain were confiscated mm-hmm. i remember hearing that about canada as oh, well okay All right. yeah um and i have a very vivid memory of oh my god what year would that have been it was just when i met you i guess of going to san francisco and meeting somebody outside their house and they brought me a giant grocery bag full of zines at night <laughs> and, and and they were like it was like a drug deal yeah. they came out and they were like here <laughs> don't tell anybody i gave you this they didn't want anybody to see that I, they were passing me this giant pile of zines i still have some oh sure I'm sure but yeah it was this totally clandestine thing it's so weird um, but for people who are younger, I don't think they know the history of it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are not aware of, of the pressures that were surrounding it at that time. So I would definitely recommend this video essay. And there's a little article here on um, the Daily mm-hmm. Dot that accompanies it, too. Well, you know, um, something I've been meaning to bring up, there was a different article also about um, fanfic and fan films and different fan mm-hmm. activities you know, that are treading a fine line and or are maybe over the line. But looking back to all these years of fanfic being written and printed and distributed and then distributed over the web, and especially mm-hmm. with the print ones, there was money being exchanged. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked to me like whoever owned the copyright at that point, and I can't keep track, um, didn't seem to give a shit. Mm-hmm. And Gene Roddenberry had been, you know, in a subtle way, okay with, with fanfic, even supportive of it. And I'm thinking, you know, if they ever took you to court for writing this fanfic, couldn't your defense be based on they didn't defend their copyright? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true, that, that they just um, didn't care enough to try to do it. And that's why uh, Star Wars was so rabidly mm-hmm. um, defending that because they didn't want to get themselves into that situation. So they cracked down on everybody. Yep. It didn't matter how big you were or how small you were. They wouldn't let you do stuff. I don't know how much that's changed yeah. since then. But at the time, that they were like, we, we have to stamp this out for the reason you just said, because they didn't want to um, show a pattern of having allowed it to exist. Right, right. Well, the other thing is... Um, I mean, that to me sounds like a, a good defense, but 
you've got to be able to afford lawyers to go up against Desilu or whoever it was, which, yeah. you know, lowly little fanfic writers usually don't have that kind of money. Uh, no, yeah. I wouldn't think yeah. so. Not at all. Mm. But the fanfic kept it going all that time when, mm-hmm. you know, there was 10 years between the end of TOS and before that first TOS movie came on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think um, the the fandom was the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, if there hadn't been zines and there hadn't been people having their own conventions and getting together and sharing all this stuff, it would not have That's happened. That's right. And it would not be the way it is today. And there, would, there wouldn't be TNG or any of the things that went on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fanfic, there's something about fanfic that I have noticed lately, and I, I am curious to know what you think about it. Back when we were doing fanfic, mm-hmm. it wasn't really, hmm, is accepted the word? People who did real person fanfic were in a tiny minority. Oh, yes. And there was discussion of, is that something you should do? Should should we yeah. hands off that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now... It's all over the place. Uh-huh. Like, I'm actually kind of shocked when I look at Archive of Our Own to see how much real person fanfic is out uh-huh. there. And I don't know how I feel about that. You know, like, on the one hand, freedom of expression, whatever, do what you want. But on the other hand, like, it's real people that are still around. Mm-hmm. This seems a little weird. I don't know. Well, it, it, it almost has to happen because of people confusing the character with the person, yeah, with the actor. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. I don't really have that problem, <laughs> having done some acting and knowing there's a difference. Um, but I have always been more intrigued with the characters than mm-hmm. the actors. Yeah. And when I, you know, used to write it and used to read other people's stuff, and sometimes other people's stuff would just blow me away going, oh, my God, I never saw that. And that's a great, you know, new dimension to the characters. Mm-hmm. But when, you know, things were labeled as real people thick, I was like, I don't think I need that. Yeah, it's really weird. And I think for famous people, too, it becomes, um, is the fic really about the real people? Right. Or is it about the public perception of who they were? Mm -hmm. And I think it's more the latter. Oh, yes. But it it, it does feel really weird when the, the authors bring in lots of things that, we've only say recently found out about as the person things that have happened to that real person that wasn't actually part of their public persona right Mm -hmm. it was like private stuff that happened and now suddenly you're finding out about this like then working that into a fic it's like i don't know i like you said not not a thing that i would want to to know Mm -hmm. about but it's out there and that's fine it's just weird it's just a little weird yeah that's all Uh, i became aware of this recently because on some forum that I was reading, people were recommending Beetle Fix. And if you look on AO3, there's a lot of Beetle Fix. And it's like, okay, is this about the Beatles as real people or is it about the Beatles? The Beatles as, as they were in the Beatles cartoon? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or or just the Beatles, like the Beatles in Hard Day's Night, yep. right? That wasn't them. That was the characters that they were playing, like the monkeys. You know, those were characters that had the same name and looked the same, but it wasn't actually yeah. them. So um, I, I didn't know that there was so much Beetle fic until I started looking at it. I was like, whoa, okay, that's enough. I don't need to look at this anymore. Well, you know what keeps showing up on my feed, and it finally stopped, was an ad for a series of books. And I hope you know what I mean 
when I tell you they are referred to as cozy mysteries? Oh, yes, I know what cozy mysteries okay. are. Yes. It's beetle fic. The beetles are solving uh- mysteries. <laughs> I didn't, Wait, you know, and it was like, you books? could get the whole set of three or four for two bucks. And I thought, you know, not going to get that, even though I'm remotely curious. Do I want to, not just the money, put in the time of reading these things? Are, are these on like Amazon or something? I don't know. I don't. Oh, I have to know. You have to find this out for well, me now. The, I must know about this. Well, the ads have gone away. Just look up for, um, look up Beatles Solving Mysteries. <laughs> I'm typing it in right now. <laughs> hey, Paul, look at the oh. dead body here. <laughs> oh, I, it's not, these are not the right words. Um, um, I've, I've added the word, oh my God, oh my God. <gasps> they are on Amazon. Okay, oh, this is insane. How many stars okay. do they have? I'm almost afraid to ask. Uh, four and a half stars <sighs> on Amazon. Okay, Um, let's see. Author Cal Sma, I guess, uh, a cozy Beatles mystery series. They're independently published. There are four volumes, and they take place in Liverpool in 1962. And the first one is called Larceny in Liverpool. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Does it say look inside so that you can at least look at the, the page that lists if they have permission from... Apple and Yoko and Paul and uh, I can't imagine that they would. Um, wow, look at that! They have a big Union Jack on the cover. Oh, you can get it. It's it costs zero through Kindle Unlimited. If you want, if you have Kindle no, I Unlimited. got rid of that. Okay, look inside. It says I might have to sign up for Kindle Unlimited just to get this because well, now that's going to cost you nine dollars to sign up. Oh, but they're always running doing yeah. free things. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you can get it for free. And that's, as long as you remember to cancel it, it's totally fine. Oh, it does have a look inside, but I'm trying to click it and then nothing is happening. Mm. Okay, here we go. Um, available samples, paperback. Here we go. Now, I wonder oh. if our friend Jan knows about these. I will tell. I, I need to ask her. Okay. <laughs> Copyright by the name of the person. Mm-hmm. Characters portrayed in this book are fictitious. Any similarity to real persons, living or dead, is coincidental and not intended by the author. Discl- another disclaimer, this is a fictional work of alternate history. Names, characters, places, and incidents are either products of the author's imagination or are drawn from the historical record, then altered and used fictitiously. Apart from the Beatles and other well-known historical figures, any similarity to real persons, living or dead, purely coincidental, this work has not been endorsed nor affiliated with any of the Beatles or their estates. Huh. How are they getting away with this? I don't understand it. Maybe all you wow. have to do is put that fictitious thing in the front. We never did that. I guess. I mean, it's but it's is it copy? You said it's copyrighted to this author, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. This is insane. And thank you for letting me know about <laughs> it because I had no idea that this existed. And I think I'm going to have to get one of these and read it because I am intensely intrigued. Well, I I will expect a, a book report. I wonder, okay, sorry, sorry to derail, and I got to see if this person has written other things. Okay, Cal Sma is a guy, ah. apparently. I'm looking at the picture, and it looks like, he looks like a man. Um, 
a three-year writer for his college humor magazine. He is a Beatles enthusiast and merges both of these passions in creating fun Beatles stories. He was raised in Colorado and lives in Atlanta, Georgia. So that's all he's published. Huh. Are his his Beatles things. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Well, Cal, 25 cents or whatever is coming your way. Absolutely. I'll be paying you for that. Okay, you better read great. the synopsis of, of all four, however many there are, and pick oh, I the will. one that, that is going to hold your interest. I will. All right. So stay tuned, everybody. I'll be coming at you with that uh, at some point in the very near future. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Um, we are almost at time, but I do want to talk really briefly about Space 1999. Oh, yes, please do. This, this, okay. So this goes back to the fact that TOS wasn't on in the evenings anymore, and I was mad because I didn't have anything to watch. So <laughs> I, I thought, let me watch something else that will keep me amused. And I thought, hey, Space 1999 is available on Amazon Prime now. I could watch it and not have to pay for it. And I remember watching it along with my brother back when it was on in the late 70s or early 80s, but I didn't really remember that much about it. Like, it, it didn't stick. Mm-hmm. And I remember that everything was beige and that it had very dramatic music, and that was pretty much it. Oh, of course, it starred Martin Landau and Barbara Bain. Yes. So so I started watching, and I'm watching it from uh, Series 1, going to watch it all the way through, but I'm not watching it in the order that they released it. Um, there's a, a guy who's a, like, there are people out there who are really obsessed with it, who who came up with an alternate running order that he thinks makes more sense. So I'm going with that because it just seemed more interesting. Wow. So this is um, a fan's idea of, wow, yeah. okay. Yeah. So I'm watching it in this alternate order and it's fine. Everything's good. Except very weirdly, some of the episodes are mislabeled. So if you go to Amazon Prime and it says like season one, episode four, it's not. It's season one, episode 17 or something. I don't understand why they made mistakes like that but there it is um it's a weird show it's not a good show i don't think i ever watched it but it it is a show that could not have existed without star Mm -hmm. trek it is very very obvious what they stole from star trek and then what they tried to do on their own so it's a series that was made by jerry and sylvia anderson who made thunderbirds or go so they made puppet shows right right okay and there's a lot of puppet showiness into it like you're like hmm this is framed weirdly oh it would be good if puppets were doing this (laughs) and there's a lot of scenes where the background actors are not doing anything so the, the main characters are interacting in the front and everybody else is like sitting at their desks or just watching them interact, <laughs> which seems very puppety. Yes, Again, yes. Like just... So it, it, the show is like this weird hybrid of Star Trek mixed with Doctor Who in some ways. Mm-hmm. So there's some monsters, which are very Doctor Who monsters, and there's a lot of running and getting captured and, um, you know, typical Doctor Who stuff. And then I found out later that the script editor, in fact, used to work on Doctor Who. I was like, oh, well, that's where that came from, pretty obviously. Um, But they tried to do the Trek thing of having the captain, Mm -hmm. one of his his trusted advisors being sort of the cool, logical person, and the other advisor being the warm-hearted, you know, humanity thing. But they flipped it. So the doctor, played by Barbara Bain, is the cool, logical one. And the science guy, because I don't even know what his title is, um, is the warm-hearted, like, you know, I care for all humanity guy. Mm-hmm. And he's played by Barry Morse, who's a very well-known oh, yes, British I actor. Know who he is. 
Yeah. And, and he's fine. He's totally good. But it kind of doesn't work to have the doctor be the cool, logical yeah. one. And it also doesn't work that it's a woman. And it also doesn't work that it's Barbara Bain, who really can't play it that uh, well. She's unfortunately. very limited, I've always thought. She is pretty limited. And I don't think she's well-suited to pull off what Leonard Nimoy was able to do and other people who have mm-hmm. played Vulcans. Like, like there and cool and logical but with the emotion sort of under the Mm -hmm. surface she just plays it flat like she's dead i don't know it's not good it's just not very good um the other delightful thing about it though is that because it was made in england at that point everybody is in it so all the guest stars are people like you're like oh my god it's christopher lee (laughs) oh my god it's joan collins Oh my God, it's Ian McShane. Like just every episode you're mm-hmm. going, ah, it's that guy. I can't believe it. It's so funny. So I'm going to keep watching it and um, just observing what goes on in it. Uh, it also really pointed up to me the fact that you can't have a show um, like Star Trek and like TNG and, and the other ones where the main character is not charismatic. Oh, yeah. You just can't. Like Martin Lando plays... Um, John Koenig, who's the, the, he's not the captain, he's the commander. There we go. He's the commander. And he's fine, but he's not, he's not Captain Kirk. He's not Captain Picard. Mm -hmm. He's not Captain Sisko. Like, he's just not dynamic and interesting and compelling enough as a leader for you to, to really be engaged with him as a character and also to believe that he's got the blind, unswerving loyalty of all of the people trapped on the moon with him. Right. And, you know, I wonder how much of the show was based around the fact that he and Barbara Bain wanted to do this mm-hmm. show and whether they would have ever considered having somebody else in that title role. It, it, it just doesn't work. He's like, he's too, he's too frantic sometimes. Mm. And he leaps to conclusions a lot of the times. He doesn't really listen to his advisors some of the time. He also, as an actor, has some tics that crack me up. Like, he paces. And when he paces, he takes four steps in each direction, and then he turns around. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's like, one, two, three, four, turn around. One, two, three, four, turn around. And and you're like, oh, he's doing it again. He's pacing. So, there's that. Um, And his style as an American actor, I don't think blends really well with most of the rest of the cast who's Mm -hmm. British. So they tend to be more like, uh, you know, you'd see, you know, I don't know, a British war movie. Or yes, something. yes. You know, they're kind of like laid, not laid back exactly, but they're they're more controlled. And he's sort of like he shouts a lot, he, a lot, like more than Captain Kirk. He really shouts at people a lot. And it's he's not a good shouter. It doesn't come across very well. Well, I want to apologize to everyone who heard this whoosh. Um, Jack wanted to go out, so I had to open the um, door and so, you know, some city noise is coming in. What does Jack think about Space 1999? He wasn't he around. Oh, he is only, uh, he in March, he'll be 18. Oh, okay. Well, as I watch through this, I might pick an episode and ask you if, if you would watch of, it. Of 1999? So okay. Yeah, just, I'll, I'll try to pick one that's sort of fun and interesting, maybe as a good guest star, and then we can talk about it because I think it... It is, 
you know, we talk a lot about what they were able to accomplish on Star mm-hmm. Trek with their limited budget and all the things that they did creatively with the sets and the lighting and the characters and all that. And I think Space 1999 had the same sorts of constraints. They didn't have a huge budget. And some things they did extraordinarily well, like the models are incredible. Mm-hmm. The spaceships, the space shots, the mats and everything are amazing. They could be in movies. They're so good. But then they start, you know, you go to the interior and it's boring. And some of the stuff is so not future mm. compared to what Star Trek envisioned just a few years earlier. You know, the level of technology is just not what you think. <laughs> they they talk to the computer and then they get a little slip of paper that shoots out and it looks like a grocery receipt. And then they look at it and, and every time they do that, I'm like, oh, th- there's your receipt. How much of a tip do I mention this? <laughs> <Yeah. you know? laughs> it's just a little weird. So anyway, that's just a thing that I'm doing right now is watching this weird old show because it, it amuses me and it's bad and it's good to laugh at it. And I, you know, you contrast it with what Star Trek had done years before, mm-hmm. you know, like, Star Trek was a better show in every way than this. <laughs> well, uh, than at your request, was. I will watch an episode of that, but I want you to watch Don't Look Up. Okay. Yeah, good. Good deal. I, I take you up on okay. that for sure. Oh, all right. Well, I just needed to get that off my chest. Well, it was good, you know, because you're able to pick out the similarities and everything. So we weren't off topic with that at all. No. And plus, I mean, they obviously stole plots directly from Star Trek in a lot of ways. Just like, oh, this is that episode. Uh, They had a Nomad episode. But you know what? Very odd. Every, I swear, every sitcom steals at least one plot from I Love Lucy. Of course. I mean, it's amazing when you're immersed in these things because you're a hermit now. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like... Really? You know, Seinfeld? And and Jerry Seinfeld has said he has never seen an episode of I Love Lucy. He hates it. So, okay. But yeah, you see these things. Amazing. Truly amazing. All right. Well, on that note, folks, uh, thanks for listening. As always, thanks for sticking with us. I hope you're enjoying the Star Trek stuff that's on. And I hope you are as excited as we are about all the new stuff that's happening. Yes. It's so good. And um, next show, too, we want a report on your uh, Dali clock that is not a clock, but has a battery. Definitely. So we got the Dali clock and then we have the Beatles Cozy Mystery, (laughs) which I I am so I can't tell you how excited I am about this. I'm I'm sure I'm sure it is. Oh, amazing. All right. Well, everybody, take care of yourself, yourselves. Stay safe and wear your masks and all of that stuff. And hopefully we'll all get through this and one day things will be better. That's right. So live long and potluck. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.